You are listening to Primary Care Perspectives, a podcast where pediatric experts from Children's Hospital of Philadelphia and other guests discuss primary care issues that are on their minds and the hot topics that all pediatricians see affecting their daily practice. This podcast is for general informational and educational purposes only and is not to be considered as medical advice for any particular patient. Clinicians must rely on their own informed clinical judgment in making recommendations to their patients. Hi, I'm Dr. Katie Lockwood, a primary care pediatrician at the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, and today I'm talking about the ergonomics of virtual learning. Since the beginning of the 2020 pandemic, many students have shifted from in-person school, previously known simply as school, to virtual learning or a hybrid environment. While many schools were able to send home some of the instructional materials and supplies that students needed, the students' home learning environment was up to them and their caregivers to create. Ergonomics is the science of fitting a given environment to a person to limit exposure to physical stressors that could lead to discomfort or injury. So today we're going to focus on how to improve the learning environment for virtual learning students and what pediatricians can do to help guide families and evaluate for injuries. Joining me is Ian Leahy, a physical therapist with the Sports Medicine and Performance Center at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Welcome, Ian. Thanks for having me, Katie. Thanks for being here. So first of all, we know it's important to have a designated space for learning whenever possible. It helps if this is a space that isn't otherwise used for eating or sleeping and is someplace quiet where distractions are minimized. But even if we have a home office set up, how can we make sure that the desk we select is the right size and height for our little learners? Yeah, this is really important. I think when we were thrown into this virtual learning setup for parents, including myself, that weren't used to this, we fell into that trap of using the kitchen table or allowing our kids to sit at the couch with their laptops or tablets. But once we figured out that it was going to be a long-term process, getting something set up properly was going to be key. So one of the things that I always recommend with parents is trying to utilize some type of quiet space in the house. And then it's all about setting up the desk and the chair. One of the things that I'm sure we'll get into a little bit further into this discussion is a lot of the variability to the setup. But there are recommendations out there. Mm-hmm. So one of the biggest things is obviously getting a chair that fits properly to the individual or If you already have a chair and you don't want to go purchase another one, it's going to be then adjusting the chair to fit the child. And then from there, it's getting the desk space to be at an accurate level for the individual. So one of the things that's out there in a lot of the research and these ergonomic studies is making sure that the desk is about a foot above the cushion of the chair because this then allows the computer screen to be at a level that's, that's equal with eye level or just below eye level. But again, if these changes can't be made, then you have to make the adjustments of stacking up the computer in order to get it at those levels. Mm -hmm. So they would be the main recommendations in regards to a quiet space. So if you can't get your desk or your chair at the right height, like you mentioned, you could maybe play around with the positioning of the computer, but you want that computer at eye level. Yeah, you know, at eye level or just below eye level. And then the other, you know, the other recommendation is having it directly in front. You know, there's so many Mm -hmm. setups, especially with the older kids that maybe have multiple screens. You know, having a screen off to either side can result in some issues just from the head being at a rotated position for a sustained period. 
So what are your thoughts on a standing desk? It seems like these became very popular in the past few years. And while they might not work for our little young learners, they could be used by middle, high school, or college age students. So is this a trend we should follow or ignore? So this is one of those things. So this question comes up a lot from parents. And one of the things I recommend is I never am going to have someone go out and purchase a standing desk. You know, the key with these ergonomic setups is variability. So even if you have the perfect setup, you know, we really want to avoid those prolonged static positions for an extended period of time. So there are desks out there that you can adjust from being a normal kind of sitting desk to a standing desk. And if you are looking into purchasing a desk for a virtual learning setup, this is definitely something to look into. But again, it doesn't become a permanent fix. So even if you have that standing desk, we don't want to be in prolonged standing positions for an extended period of time. So you know, the recommendation would be if you're at a sitting desk, it's going to be variability in position. And then the same thing goes with a standing desk. If you have that standing desk, being able to maybe prop a foot up on a step stool or altering your position constantly is going to be key to avoiding any type of ergonomic related symptoms. So the take home is if you have both, utilize both. It's a, it's a great adjunct. Mm. But if you don't, standing desks are not going to be the fix all for a lot of these students. So we don't have to go out and buy a standing desk, but if we have one, feel free to use it. Absolutely. Now, talking about buying things, these ergonomic chairs and desks and desk supplies can add up and be expensive. So are there tips you have that can help make our workspace comfortable and functional without breaking the bank? Yeah, absolutely. Every place is going to try and price up their fanciest pieces of equipment, and desk chairs are an easy thing to market. And they'll mark it as, you know, this is the perfect ergonomic chair to avoid low back pain. But the thing I can stress is that if you and I each buy the same chair, you and I don't have the same body type. So, right. you know, we're buying a one size fits all when it's really not appropriate. So if you have the means of buying an expensive ergonomic chair, then I'm not going to stop you from doing it. But you can use any chair that's available. Some of the recommendations that we have in terms of physical therapy and setting up the best ergonomic station is if you're looking at the back of the chair, you don't want it to be at an exact 90 degree angle. So you want to have a slight backwards lean into it. So mm -hmm. a lot of the studies talk about a 95 to 105 degree angle on that. It doesn't have to be to the actual degree. It's just the key of you don't want a chair that's just straight up. And then the next thing is where are you at in relation to the chair? So if you look at an individual from the side and you look at the angle at the trunk and the hip, you really want that angle to be at about 90 degrees or a little bit above 90 degrees. Because if it's too low of a seat, you're going to increase the pressure through the ischial tuberosities, and this can lead to some discomfort or irritability as the day goes on. And if the seat is too high, this is going to increase the pressure down the thigh. So you really want that nice angle of the trunk and the hip. And then the other big thing, and this is what I try to stress with my young kids, is a chair can be a great setup, but if your feet are dangling, it's not doing you any good. So if right. it's a setup that you look good and you feel comfortable, but your feet aren't reaching the ground, this is where you can stack up a book or some type of step stool that then the feet can be supported. Mm -hmm. And if you have all those things set up, then you probably put yourself at the best possible position to then sit for an extended period of time. Of course, you can't guarantee that our children are going to sit correctly in these chairs, can you? And that is the key. <laughs> <laughs> 
So on that note, a lot of kids are working on laptops that are provided by their school districts often or a home laptop. What positioning considerations should we take in regards to using the laptop for hours a day? I mean, you mentioned the height of it before, but are there other things that we should consider? When it comes to school, I try to really stress get the laptop off the lap. You know, in this age of laptops and handheld devices, it's so easy to just kind of plop yourself down anywhere in the house, whether it be lounging on the couch, laying in your bed, or even just lying on the floor. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things to really stress with these kids now that they're in this virtual learning environment is treat the laptop as if it's a desktop. So we would want that monitor, again, at eye level or just below eye level. And that's hard because laptops are designed to be as minimal in size as possible for ease of transport. Mm-hmm. So. With the laptops, it's really stacking them up at a good level because you know you're going to be sitting there for an extended period of time. But the key is is really trying to basically think of the laptop as a desktop when it comes to schooling. After school is over, you know, playing on the laptop or handheld devices, that's fine. You can do that in whatever position you want to do it in. But with the extended, you know, several hours of six to seven hours a day, it's really just have your setup as if it is a normal desktop computer. That's great advice. So you mentioned before the importance of variability throughout the day. So now that we've talked about the perfect setup, is there some value in having kids mix it up and maybe move away from that perfect setup and do something else? Yeah. So I'm going to kind of contradict myself and I'm going to say that there's no perfect setup. So all of these things that I'm saying, and I'm using the term perfect setup, they're really recommendations. Mm. This is the absolute key to this is the variability. So we know there are thousands of studies out there that looked at slouching position and poor ergonomic setup. And the result is many of these individuals have symptoms down the road if they're in these positions for an extended period of time. But we also know that if you sit with the quote unquote perfect posture for an extended period of time, you can acquire symptoms when it comes to spinal pain or headaches or even leg and thigh pain. So the take-home message from that is variability. It's moving. It's, it's not staying in one position for an extended period of time. You know, we are not designed to do that. We're designed to move. So you can do your best at trying to make sure your setup is as to the textbook as it can be, but the key is just not staying in those positions for too long. It's always moving. Mm-hmm. I think we underestimate how much movement kids were actually getting at school. And now that they're home for virtual learning, we realize that we really do need to build that movement in throughout their day. It is. And, and you know, I, I stress this with my kids too. You know, when they're in school, they get that three to four minutes between classes. And it doesn't seem like much, mm-hmm. but, you know, you're going up and down stairs, you're interacting with your friends and yeah, you're out of that position. Whereas at home, even though the schools have been doing a really good job of giving you that same three to four minutes in between, a lot of kids, my kids included, are just sitting there Mm because they know, well, this next lesson is going to start and I have to be in the same spot so they don't move. And so I think stressing that, you know, hey, just get up and and move around is going to be really, really important. So with that, I'm thinking for some of the younger kids to elementary school, sitting still all day can be really tedious. I mean, I know it is for me as an adult. So what are some of the ways that we can help kids who are learning virtually get some movement in their day that balances out all of the sitting that they're doing? So my big thing is I try to take advantage of everybody having smartphones. And a lot of my patients even have 
you know, smart watches. Mm -hmm. And so when I have a patient that's in the clinic that I'm seeing for some type of spinal issue, whether it be just musculoskeletal pain, or if it's a patient that maybe has scoliosis or other, any type of diagnosis, and they're telling me that with relation to school, I'm getting increase in my symptoms. The first thing that I start with is I tell them to take their phone and set a timer for every 10 or 15 minutes. And it doesn't have to be a timer mm -hmm. that makes a lot of noise that anyone else knows what's going on. It can be a simple vibrate. Mm -hmm. And when that timer goes off, all they're instructed to do is just simply change the position. You know, if they're slouching, sit up tall. If you're sitting up tall, slouch a little bit. If you're leaning to the left side, lean to the right. And that 15 minutes just allows for that variability in position. You unload tissues that maybe are being stressed a little bit too much for an extended period of time. And that sometimes works wonders for patients. You know, the other thing is too, there's so many little things that you can do from even just a sitting position. You can stretch your hamstrings in the sitting position. You can stretch your calves in the sitting position. You know, just moving your head around can unload tissues that are being stressed. So it's really just that constant monitoring of movement. Because I think we all fall into the trap of we find a position and then next thing you know, it's been 30, 40 minutes and we really haven't moved. And then we pay the price for that down the road. Mm -hmm. So that every 10 to 15 minutes really helps alleviate some of that stress through some of the soft tissues in the trunk and spine. I'm sure everyone else like me is adjusting their position right now, thinking about all those ways that we, you know, unconsciously cross our legs or sit, you know, sloping to one side. So that's a good reminder that maybe we need to actually set an alarm or a reminder throughout the day to break some of those habits. So tell us why we're talking about all of this. Why is it so important? What are the potential risks of these setups and, and doing this wrong? So the problem with this, especially from my experience being over at the Sports Performance Center, is you know we're going from this period of time where inactivity is at an all-time high for a lot of these kids. You know, so many of these kids right. will be playing multiple sports or be outside playing with friends, and they're just not. Whether it be that the sports have been shut down, or whether it be just from you know parental concern of interacting with other people. And so this inactivity is causing kids to spend more time on the computer, spend more time on handheld devices. And these static positions, even though they may not be enough irritation to generate symptoms, what it's creating is that it's creating these adaptive shortening in certain tissues. You know, some of the ones that come to mind is with the forward head posture, you have this adaptive shortening of the suboccipital muscles. You know, the rounded shoulders leads to these adaptive shortening in the pecs. And then when we sit for a long period of time, our hip flexors get tight, our hamstrings get tight. And then what we're seeing is that now as sports and activities are starting to slowly get back into this sense of normalcy, these kids are getting these soft tissue related injuries because we're going from periods of inactivity to periods of high levels of activity. And that transition in that sudden phase is really resulting in some irritations and, and soft tissue failure, really. And so I, I think being more cognizant of our position, being more cognizant of adding movement to our everyday life or adding stretches to our everyday life can help kind of ease that transition once we get back into that quote unquote normal life of being more active. It's fascinating to think of our student athletes as having injuries that could be potentially triggered 
you know, by poor posture and, and virtual learning, it's not a connection that I think most people would would have assumed or made. And that's really fascinating. Sure. Yeah. And I think now, I think if you're always trying to find silver linings with this pandemic, I think it's going to help understand this a little better. I think you're going to see a lot of studies that are looking at the effects of soft tissue related injuries due to extended periods of inactivity. And I think it's going to be really mm -hmm. interesting what we what we see. So in clinic, I can't see what someone's virtual learning environment looks like or their posture when they're learning. But what are some of the symptoms that we can ask about in clinic to elicit a possible history that's consistent with poor ergonomics? Yeah, I think I think the big thing here is where their symptoms are. So, you know, when you have that individual, the the adolescent who doesn't have a true mechanism of injury, but now is experiencing some type of back pain, you know, whether it be low back pain, mid back pain, it's getting into the behavior of that pain. Mm -hmm. So is the pain worse towards the end of the day, whether it be the end of the school day or even the end of the day in general? And that may help kind of tease out the fact that it's more of a low load, prolonged stress across whatever the area of symptoms is. Mm. You know, this may help us know that, you know, if it is towards the end of the day, maybe it is something from the ergonomic setup that could be contributing to some of the symptoms. The other big thing that I'm seeing a ton of patients with right now is this kind of cervicogenic related headaches. You know, I think from your standpoint, Katie, it's, you know, headaches are a challenge to diagnose anyway, whether yes. it be a migraine, a tension headache, a cluster headache. There's so many ways to tease it out, and it, it's really challenging to diagnose it. But I think with these kids that are experiencing these new onset of headaches, I think it's really common for parents to assume that it's because they're staring at a computer screen. And mm -hmm. there's absolute truth to that. However, you know, if the pain is being generated towards the end of the day and they feel like the pain starts at kind of the base of the skull and is starting to kind of radiate upward, I think you want to start heading down that possibility that it's a, a cervical related headache and it could be coming from the fact that they have this sustained forward head posture. Mm -hmm. And that is something, like I said, that I've seen quite a bit and they respond very favorably to simple changes in their ergonomic setup, but and also some simple stretches that they can do to alleviate some of those stresses. And the forward head posture that you've mentioned a few times, is that related to more of a slouching position or what is that, what is that coming from? It could be a lot. You know, it, one of the big things is slouching. We are all guilty of rounding our shoulders and mm -hmm. kind of flexing our thoracic spines, which then results in our head protruding forward. But it can also just be from the setup. If the computer screen is too low, again, going back to our original discussion about the laptop, mm -hmm. you know, if we don't prop up the laptop, it's going to sit much lower than our eye level. And so the result of that is we're going to kind of let our chin shift forward. We're going to let our shoulders round and then that head's going to sit forward. And what it ends up doing is if you can picture it, we're going to flex from the lower part of our cervical spine but then we're going to extend from the upper part. And that extension is going to result in a sustained kind of compression across the OA joint. So at the base of the skull, it's a really sensitive area. And it can be a spot that, you know, when these kids come in, when I start to look at joint range of motion and joint play, if I push on that OA joint, you can reproduce a lot of those headaches that or what brings them into the clinic. And the minute that that happens for me, I know that we're not dealing with some type of screen related, you know, mm -hmm. eye fatigue type right. headache. We're really related 
to a cervical generated headache. And, and it allows it, it, it's much easier for me to treat that. That is fascinating. I've learned a lot today. So can you give us some key takeaway messages on ergonomics that you want pediatricians to remember as we wrap up? Sure. It's, you know, stress the best possible ergonomic setup. Again, stressing a comfortable chair that allows for good trunk position in relation to leg position and really try to hammer home the importance of it, but also stress. You don't need to break the bank to do it. If you don't have the financial means to generate this quote unquote perfect ergonomic setup for your kids or, or for your patients, it's really stressing variability, you know, mm -hmm. changing what they're sitting on. If towards the end of the day, they start getting sore being in a chair, put them on a stability ball. Mm -hmm. Or if you have the ability to alter the height of the desk, make it a standing desk. It's really change it up throughout the day, set a timer every 15 to 20 minutes and move. Mm -hmm. You know, try and encourage patients, you know, in between classes, even if it's only two or three minutes, get up and walk around or, or get up and, and just do as many generic stretches as you can do just to alleviate some of those symptoms. You know, you don't have to go and Google the best ergonomic setup and try to measure all these angles. It's, mm -hmm. it's not realistic. It's variability. It's movement. It's doing everything you can to avoid those sustained positions. I love that. And that's something that, like you said, that everybody can do. Everyone can move a little bit throughout the day and change their position. So thank you for those amazing tips. Can you remind us where we can find you and CHOP PT? Yep. So I'm at the Children's Hospital down in the King of Prussia office where the Sports and Performance Center is. You know, my phone number there is 215-590-6919. I can also be reached at email. So my email is my last name, L-E-A-H-Y the letter I, at chop.edu. Great. Thank you so much. And we really appreciate all the help you're giving to our patients and for all the teaching you've done for us in the past on scoliosis and now on ergonomics. And hopefully we won't have any other PT issues popping up during this pandemic. But if so, we appreciate knowing that you're there to help us. Yeah, thanks so much again for having me on, Katie. This is fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of Primary Care Perspectives. You can download and subscribe to future episodes on iTunes or visit chop.edu slash PCP podcast for a listing of all episodes. I look forward to our next chat.